Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Autos and Airways podcast. I am your host, Alex Shum. Uh, today is my second uh, solo episode, so it's just me today, and we're going to be talking about some of the latest automotive news over the past uh, couple weeks and some really cool stuff that have happened this week. Um, so stuff to talk about. Uh, Ford Mach-E has uh, some updates to the battery, uh, the powertrain. Uh, the new Lexus LX600, so it's this is the version of the Land Cruiser the new 300 series Land Cruiser that we're going to be getting here in the U.S. Uh, I have some thoughts on that. Um, <clears throat> the Land Rover Discovery, which has been on sale for four years, is now in its seventh model year, and it has some updates there as well. Um, also, the new Acura Integra is coming back, and there's some really cool stuff that, have been, that has been announced uh, with the new Integra. And also today, today on recording this on the 19th the all-new honda civic si was also revealed today and that's a really cool little car so with that let's uh, start off with the cars and bids segment now i chose a really cool car today i chose a 2012 aston martin virage and this is a very uh interesting car um Aston Martin thought that there would be a market for a car that was positioned in between the DB9 and the DBS. So at the time this came out, the DB9 had 470 horsepower. DBS had 510 horsepower. It, the Virage, right smack dab in the middle at 490 horsepower. So basically with the Virage, they took... Um, some of the performance technology that they developed for the DBS and brought it into the DB9 platform, even though the DBS and the DB9 are basically the same car. So with kind of the comfort levels of the DB9 with the little bit of the performance aspect of the DBS, and it was on sale for 18 months, and they produced 1,001 cars, and it was a massive failure. So no one wanted it, and it's a cool little car. Um I mean, really, you need to be a diehard Aston Martin fan to really know the difference uh, between a DB9 and the Virage. But anyway, so the one that I chose is this. It's a tw so like I said, it's 2012 Aston Martin Virage. It is finished in a paint-to-sample color. It is called Arctica, which is actually a Rolls-Royce color, believe it or not. And it has the Aurora Blue and uh, cream truffle interior, which is to die for. It also has the Tamo Ash wood veneer, wood trim, which is honestly to die for. I'm a sucker for a light interior. I mean, look at that. How awesome does that look? I mean, uh, and I don't like blue interior at all. I hate blue leather, but this is perfect. It, it's just blue on, you know, on the... Uh, instrument binnacle up here just at the very top of the dash that obviously has the blue piping and stitching and the seat belts and this leather back up here it is just the right amount of blue and it really really looks awesome i mean it is such a, a lovely lovely spec i'm also not a big fan of white but this is a very nice white it also has the uh, embroidered aston martin wings which is really cool on the uh, on the headrest of the seats but yeah, it is a very, very beautiful car. The outside is also like, it's really nice. Um, has these 20 inch wheels. Um, they're cool looking wheels. Uh, obviously 
all the US spec cars have this horrible like license plate holder with these plastic like bars that come out for crash safety regulations. So thank you, US government for that bullshit. Um, but yeah, it is a very, very, very nice looking car. Um, sold for how much? It sold for $71,500, which is like, that's pretty cheap for one of these, especially with, you know, only 9,100 miles and the original price was $223,000. Um, but yeah, so some options that this car has, uh, kind of going back to some stuff that we talked about in previous episodes, this does have a six disc CD changer, which is pretty funny. Um, I guess at this time, I mean, this car, you know, is basically 10 years old now. So uh, some options that this car has, um, it has a six disc CD changer, which actually was standard, but uh, it's kind of funny. You know, we talked about it in other podcasts that, um, you know, in this also like, you know, this car is basically 10 years old. Yeah, they weren't that uncommon back then, but a six disc CD changer is just still kind of funny in, in a car like this, um, especially when it does have, it does have Bluetooth. Uh, it has a 700 watt uh, Aston Martin premium audio system. I actually have driven uh, a V8 Vantage with this 700 watt sound system and I was shocked. It was actually really good. Uh, it had like surround and all that. It was actually a really, really decent system. Um, mids and highs are pretty good. Uh, had a surprising amount of bass, way more than I was ever expecting from that. Um, of course, if it was me buying an Aston Martin, I would still get the Bang & Olufsen sound system, even though it's a pretty expensive option. Even though you don't really need it with the exhaust, I'm an audiophile and give me the Bang & Olufsen sound system any day. It also has an umbrella holder in the trunk. Uh, it has uh, like titanium silver mesh on like the on the on the hood here and also like down there on, along the sides. Um, yeah, they they all came with a uh, carbon ceramic brakes. Um, this one is the uh, automatic, or as Aston Martin called it, the Touchtronic Two, which is actually just a ZF six-speed automatic, uh, which is a much better transmission than than the single clutch. Uh, transmissions that Aston used in the Vantage. That was, those are really bad, but the ZF six speed was a pretty good transmission, especially for its time. But yeah, it is a, it's a gorgeous car. I mean, it's, you know, like I said, it's, um, you know, Aston Martin says it's a six liter V12. It's not, it's actually a 5.9 liter V12. Like I said, it makes 490 horsepower and 420 pound-feet of torque uh, for my metric system friends. I believe that's that's like 560, 570 newton meters around there. Um, but yeah, it is a performer. It was not, it wasn't that bad. Zero to 60 was in like the low to mid four-second range. But then again, this isn't a full-on sports car. This is a luxury sports GT uh, and a, a beautiful one. Uh, certainly so yeah so let's uh move on from there the next thing i want to discuss is the 2022 ford mach e they uh, did some updates to the powertrain the battery capacity has since been um the, the battery capacity has been increased so um, the standard cars, the standard range cars went from a 68 kilowatt hour battery to a 70 kilowatt hour battery. Actually, these batteries all, they're the same batteries. They're just, um, allowing, uh, 
customers to use more of a capacity. Ford uh, announced previously that the battery capacity in the Mach-E was limited to prevent battery degradation over time, but apparently people don't really care about that right now, so they're just going to give you more um, uh, usable capacity. So like I said, the standard range goes from 68 kilowatt hours to 70, and the extended range goes from 88 kilowatt hours to 91 kilowatt hours. Now, that should yield an increase in range. Now, unfortunately, the US EPA is refusing to retest the range for the 22 model year cars. So all the EPA numbers are going to remain the same as the 2021 model year. So for that, the standard range all-wheel drive Mach-E will do 211 miles on a charge. The standard range rear-wheel drive will do 230 miles. Now, the California Route 1 uh, trim level Mach-E with rear-wheel drive will do 200, or sorry, that will do 305 miles. Um, they are now offering a California Route 1 all-wheel drive. Uh, they have not announced range for that yet, and I don't know if they will for 22 because it is a new model, but we'll see. Um, then the extended range rear-wheel drive is 300 miles. The um, extended range all-wheel drive is 270 miles, and the uh, Mach-E GT is also 270 miles, and that's all-wheel drive as well. They also did do um, some uh, changes in the price. Uh, for the most part, they're the same. The base model Mach-E, the reserve trim, as it's called here in the U.S., that has not changed at all. Um, so that that has not changed. That's like 40, oh, I can't remember. It was like $43,000, $42,000 for that. Now the uh, Mach-E premium goes up $500 to $49,200. The California Route 1 has a price increase of $375. Uh, to make it, that brings it up to $51,875. The Mach-E GT actually gets a price cut. It, it's down $1,005, and that brings it to $59,000, or $59,995. Now, if you want to add all-wheel drive to any of those trim levels, it is $2,700, apart from the uh, GT, where it is standard. Um, it, the Mach-E was a car that I actually was so impressed with it handled incredibly well it it felt every bit a performance car for lack of a better term it wasn't like it wasn't a sports car but it was definitely in terms of how it was set up was definitely set up more toward performance than comfort uh, it handled incredibly well the one i drove was the extended range all-wheel drive so that was 346 horsepower and it, it was zero to 60 in like the mid to high four second range. And it was, it just, it, it, it felt every bit um, geared toward more performance instead of comfort and efficiency. And it, it, the interior was, the quality of the interior was very, very good. I'm still not a fan of the design of it. I hate the giant 15 inch tacked on screen. Um, luckily it does have a gauge cluster, but yeah, and the exterior design is, it's grown on me. I still don't think it's a particularly good looking car. It does look a lot better in person. Surprisingly enough, it was designed by a guy uh, by the name of Jason Castriota, who also designed the Ferrari 599 and the Maserati Gran Turismo. So the guy that designed the Mach-E also designed 
two of some of the most beautiful cars, in my opinion, uh, ever made. So that's interesting. But yeah, the Mach-E is just uh, it was a car that I was very surprised with. And yeah, I, uh, I honestly fell in love with it. And I personally, I've said in the past, that is one of the few cars I would actually go out and buy with my own money. I probably, I actually probably lease one instead of buy one. But for me, that's really, really high praise. So um, let's move on to the all new Lexus LX 600. So obviously it's the Lexus LX, which is the Lexus version of the Toyota Land Cruiser. Toyota decided to be really fucking stupid and not sell the 300 series Land Cruiser here in the US because it never sold that much. Um, it, it was never a strong seller for Toyota. And of course it, it wasn't, it was very expensive. I mean, not many people would wanna buy a Toyota Land Cruiser at $85,000 when they could spend a little bit more and get a Range Rover. Arguably the Range Rover, it, first of all, it's a nicer vehicle, it's better off-road. Um, it has the brand prestige, you know, the Range Rover name, the Land Rover name, whereas the Toyota, it's still a Toyota. And um, however, like I said, the sales for the Land Cruiser weren't that much, but they were very consistent. Um, in, yeah, it's, uh, they sold, you know, basically for the past 10 years, Toyota sold around 300 Land Cruisers um, a month in the U.S., which isn't a lot, especially when they're selling, you know, thousands and thousands of RAV4s and Highlanders. But, you know, every year the Land Cruiser sold about, they sold about uh, 3,000 to 4,000 a year in the U.S. Um, and the reason a lot of people bought Land Cruisers is because, you know, people wanted a luxury car, but they didn't want the luxury badge. You know, the people that bought Land Cruisers, they were business owners, they were CEOs, you know, they were executives, but they also were like, well, I don't want to go up to my company and, you know, be seen in a Range Rover, I'd rather be seen in a Toyota, you know, and it, it you know, it makes, you know, it has this, um, it's kind of more like an everyman car, and I totally get that, and the Land Cruiser was an amazing car, it still is an amazing car, you know, that is another car that I would personally write a check for. And that's not one I'd lease. I would have bought a Land Cruiser. And that's what most people did. They buy them and they keep them for 15, 20 years. They're, they are some of the longest lasting cars ever. The average Land Cruiser owner keeps their car between like 12 and 15 years. And it's a, yeah, they just, there's this cult following for the Land Cruiser. And the fact that they aren't selling the new one here because they sell more Lexus LXs. People, they Toyota thought, oh, well, we'll, you know, people bought a Land Cruiser. If they want one, they can buy an LX. It's a little bit more money, but it's the same car and it has the Lexus badge. And yeah, that's, that's kind of the whole reason why. And I think it was really stupid, but the new LX 600 is, I mean, obviously we deserve it here in the US and they do sell decently well. Um, yeah, so I'll actually pull this up. It is absolutely hideous. I mean, it is so bad. 
I mean, it doesn't look that different from the old one, but I'm sorry. That grill. Alexa, play grills by Nelly. I mean, it, oh, God, it's bad. It's bad. It, it, it's, it's, it's appalling. It looks like a fucking vacuum cleaner. Um, yeah. However, oh, and the, the other thing, I don't, I'm not a big fan of this. I don't like how it says Lexus spelled out on the back. I prefer, you know, the Lexus logo, but that's what Lexus is doing. It's like, yeah, I think everyone that knows something about cars knows what the Lexus logo is. They don't need to, you know, you don't need to spell it out. Um, but yeah, it, it's, um, it's, it's interesting. So this one is powered by the all new 3.4 liter twin turbo V6 um, makes 409 horsepower and 479 pound feet of torque. That's right around 650 newton meters. It's made into a 10 speed automatic transmission and the body structure is 440 pounds lighter. That's 200, it's around 200 kilograms lighter than the old one. And the old one's a heavy vehicle. This new one is still a very heavy vehicle, but it, it obviously needed to lose some weight. But yeah, there is a new F Sport trim and that gets um, different uh, suspension tuning. It also gets a torsion, differ torsion differential, torsion rear differential. Um, and it has like some blacked out, uh, like blacked out grill, the special 22 inch wheels. Uh, there's this all new ultra luxury trim level, which I think is down here. They had a picture of it. Um, they don't. Where is, it was a, it basically, so like the ultra luxury, it's a four seat model. It has a reclining second row that can, the seats can recline 48 degrees. And it's, uh, it's like, it's, it's like the chauffeur driven, you know, you get chauffeured around and that. like, if you're going to be chauffeured around, get an S class, don't get an LX. Get an S-Class, get a 7 Series, get an Audi A8, get one of those big sedans. They cost basically the same as this thing. And yeah. But yeah, it is interesting, this new uh, this new uh, 3.4 liter twin turbo V6. I wonder how it will do in terms of reliability over long term, because the old one had a 5.7 liter V8, and those things were bulletproof. I mean, it's not uncommon to see those things with 200, 300, 400,000 miles, which is basic oil changes they are incredibly reliable and i'm not sure how this um i'm not sure how the uh twin turbo v6 will hold up but only time will tell so like like i said this is the f sport it has these blacked out 22s the grill is blacked out and they black out like the bumper around it it's just yeah not very good it's um yeah and like i said it has a torsion rear diff which is nice but yeah, so some other stuff that's really nice. It does have, as you can see here, it has a 12.3 inch uh, touchscreen and also has a seven inch touchscreen here that controls HVAC and, you know, uh, stuff like that, which is really stupid. I mean, everyone, no one wants HVAC controls to be in a screen. Everyone wants knobs, buttons, and switches. That's what people want, you know, 
Honda learned a lesson. They got rid of the volume knob for this god-awful, like, slidey thing, and people got so upset they put the volume knob back in. Uh, Audi went away with the physical climate controls, and they're now bringing it back on a lot of models um, because it, it just doesn't work as well. Physical controls for basic functions need to stay in cars. It doesn't matter how digitalized the cars get. The new Mach-E has... Um, digital climate and so is like the new ford expedition now gets that same screen and it's all through the screen and it doesn't matter if it's permanently up there or not it's just not right you need to have physical climate controls for basic functions it's just it's safer it's less distracting you don't have to like you know you don't have to like tap around on a screen to figure out you can just drive along and you can just you know turn up the air or turn on your heated seat and, you know, it's just it's it, you don't need to pay any attention to it but yes, um, also uh, it has a 25 speaker Mark Levinson sound system. The Mark Levinson systems and the Lexus are really, really good. Um, Lexus, it, what is the plural of Lexus? Is it Lexus, Lexuses or Lexus, you know, with an apostrophe at the end or is it, is it, is it Lexi, Lexi, is that like a, I don't know. Anyway, that's a little off topic. But yeah, it, you know, the, another um, mechanical thing that I forgot to mention, it still has that really weird hydraulic suspension that can adjust its height. And it's not even, it's not air suspension. It's all done hydraulically. Um, and that is like, that was like the main benefit of, of the LX over the Land Cruiser. It has this hydraulic suspension. It's a lot more comfortable and you get the adjustable ride height as well. Uh, pricing has not been announced. I would imagine it's going to stay very close to what it was before at around $90,000. Um, I'm sure like the ultra luxury trim is going to be well over a hundred. And, and even with options, these will be over a hundred, but it is nice that we do get a version of the 300 series here in the U S even though it is the Lexus one and people are still upset that the Toyota version is not here, but at least we still get it. So that is nice. So uh, kind of sticking with SUVs here or off-road SUVs. Next car I want to talk about is the all new 20, well, it's not all new. It's just uh, some changes for a model year. 2023 Land Rover Discovery. Now this is a car that's very special to me. I do own a Land Rover Discovery. We've owned one for the past four years. It's a 2017 Aintree Green Metallic over vintage tan uh, Discovery HSE Luxury. So it's a top trim level. It's, uh, it doesn't have every option on it, but it's, it's very, very well spec. And um, like I said, we've had it for four years, 33,000 miles. That car has not had a single issue. It's got the three liter supercharged, uh, AJ126 uh, V6, the same one that's used in every JLR product or was. They um, have since uh, dropped the V6 for in favor of their new uh, Ingenium inline six engines. But that that uh, car, it's amazing. Can fit seven adults in it. The third row is not just for children. You can fit full-size adults in the third row. Um, I think it rides really well. It is on the stiffer side, which... I prefer, uh, not everyone prefers that, but I think it rides really well. Um, it's just, it's a wonderful family car. It is so versatile in, you know, you, you, there's USB charging ports everywhere. It's, it's a, there's, you know, hidden storage spaces everywhere. It's a, just a really, really 
practical, versatile family SUV. And it's not slow. I mean, it's zero to 60 in like the low six seconds, um, which is, you know, that's hot hatchback territory, you know, two, three years ago. So it's not a slow car and it doesn't handle like a truck. Um, it certainly handles like an SUV. There is body roll, but not a ton. And it's, you know, not that flat around corners, but for what it is, it's, it's actually really good. So for 2023, uh, they kind of shuffled around the model change, the, some changes with the, the trim levels, uh, base price went up significantly base price went from like 53 last year to now over 56. Um, they did add some stuff. Um, the main thing in my opinion, the biggest thing that they added. So they dropped when they did the facelift for the discovery for 21 model year, they dropped the vintage tan interior. It's fucking sucked here in the U S now in Europe, they offer an interior called Caraway, which is very similar to uh, vintage tan, it's a little bit less orange, but the caraway interior is the equivalent of vintage tan. And now they brought it to the US for 23 model year. Um, but yeah, it's a very nice, very nice interior color. So uh, I'll kind of show you for those that are gonna be watching this, the uh, discovery. It does look the same does look the same and in the big thing for 23 is the new metropolitan edition so what is the metropolitan metropolitan edition uh basically gives you hakuba silver um lower bumpers uh silver grill these 22s with you know these two-tone 22s and that's about it um the Metropolitan Edition here in the U.S. comes with the three-liter Ingenium six-cylinder, or as Landover calls it, the P360. So that's 355 horsepower, 369 pound-feet of torque. That's let's say around like 490 newton meters, I think, um, or around 500 newton meters. I'm not sure. I'm trying to do this all in my head, but yeah, it's 369 pound-feet of torque. Uh, this one also to zero 16, like below six seconds. It's a good engine. Um, I almost got my Defender with the 400 horsepower version of this engine, but I didn't like the way it felt in that car. I've not driven a Discovery with this engine. I would imagine it's pretty similar. Uh, just kind of dead under about 1500 RPM. But regardless, it is still a good engine. But yeah, it's just, it's just all right. The Metropolitan Edition, it's, yeah. It, it's based on the R dynamic. And so like the stuff that you get, you get the uh, Hakuba silver on the lower bumpers. You do get gloss black, yeah, gloss black brake calipers that have the Land Rover logo on it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just like a design package and it's, it's all right. It's, you know, I wouldn't get it. I would just get a if this was if I bought a Discovery, I get the R Dynamic HSE and just put some options on it. It's like this is like the Caraway interior, not quite the same as Vintage Tan, which you know I'll, I'll pull up. This is Vintage Tan, so this is exactly what mine looks like.
patience. Yes. So that is the interior I have. Um, in fact, mine is the exact same as this apart from I have, this has the satin uh, charcoal oak trim, whereas mine has the gloss charcoal trim. So it's the same wood, but I, mine's just finished in a, a gloss lacquer. But yes, so there is a little bit of a difference as you can see, oop, as you can see here. Um, and this, of course, is all CGI. I've seen a Caraway interior in person in a Jaguar, and it was um, not not too different from this. This is definitely more orange, like I said. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's still, uh, in my opinion, one of the best seven seat SUVs you can get. Like I said, it's one of only, in fact, of all the ones that I have been in, it has the biggest third row with the most amount of would be most amount of room. It can tow more than anything it competes with. It can tow 8,200 pounds. That's like 3,700 kilograms, I think. Um, and it's not the best looking. The back of it still does look a little bit strange with that off-center license plate. But it is a wonderful, wonderful family SUV. I, I wasn't that keen on it when it came out until we bought one, and I fell in love with it. It is a wonderful car. So with that, let's uh, end it here on the discovery and go on to the, um, before we kind of wrap things up, the all new Acura Integra is coming back. So uh, 2022 Acura is bringing back the Integra. It is going to replace the ILX as their entry level uh, sedan. Actually the Integra is gonna be a hatchback, a five door hatchback. Um, we don't know a whole lot about it yet, other than the fact that it's gonna have a six speed manual transmission on offer. Thank you, Acura, that is awesome. Uh, the engine, they did do a little teaser video. The engine sounds like it's um, uh, the two liter turbo that's in the uh, Civic Type R, or it could be the 1.5 turbo in the normal Civic. So it is gonna be based on a Civic. So that's gonna be interesting. There's gonna be a Type S, uh, uh, Integra Type S on the way. That will be awesome. They can do a performance version. That will probably be based on the Civic Type R. Um, maybe they might play around with the uh, all-wheel drive system. I have heard rumors about like uh, an electronic all-wheel drive system. So front-wheel drive with an electric motor at the rear axle. That could be really interesting. Of course, Acura is known for their super handling all-wheel drive, which is uh, just all-wheel drive with a torque vectoring rear diff so it can send 100% uh, of uh, the torque to either one of the rear wheels. And Acura has pioneered that uh, torque vector in all-wheel drive. They were one of the, one of, if not the first to offer it in, in the auto industry. And um, they've been refining it ever since. So uh, again, for those that are watching, I will show you guys the new uh, Integra or what we, what we know about it. So we don't know a whole lot about it yet um, other than this. And they also did a picture of the front and I will show you this video as well with the uh, six speed.
That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, Acura is making a comeback. The the first car they did that like their first new car a couple years ago is the third generation RDX, and it was amazing. And then they redid the T the TLX uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, and it they did such a good job with that. And then the MDX um, SUV they redid still not as competitive as the other two. I mean, everything Acura made four or five years ago is not competitive at all. And now everything is really competitive. The MDX is still lacking a little bit, in my opinion, but it's a hell of a lot better than it ever has been. And this is going to be awesome. This is going to you know, go up against the A3, the CLA, or just the, the A-class sedan, that, that god-awful BMW uh, two series Grand Coupe, which is, I've driven one of those, one of the worst cars I've ever driven. Um, that thing was an understeering mess, uh, despite it being all wheel drive. Of course, it was just a Holodex all wheel drive, but that thing should not have a BMW badge on it. Also, not to mention, it's fucking hideous. Anyway, that's what, that, those are the cars that this car is going to compete with. And this is the only one that offers a six speed. So it's going to be awesome. My guess, if it's based on the Civic, the automatic choice will probably be a CVT, which if that's the case, has to be really unfortunate. But I know if I were to buy one of these, I'd get the six-speed. And I actually have a coworker that's um, seriously considering one of these when it comes out. So it's going to be really, really cool. So with that, let's move on. Kind of speaking of Civics here, the all-new Honda Civic SI has been revealed today. This is the performance version of the Civic sedan. Now the Type R sits at the top of the, the top of the hierarchy of performance Civics, and then you have the SI at the middle, and then you have the normal Civic down at the bottom. So the 2022 Honda Civic SI uh, was revealed today. Um, it's only available as a sedan. The coupe, the Civic coupe, has been discontinued, and along that goes with the SI coupe. You can only get one transmission, a six-speed manual. It does have auto rev matching, but if you put it in uh, sport mode, it turns off automatically, or you can turn it off yourself uh, if you don't like that. Um, and uh, it's got uh, different drive modes, and when it's not, it's not super advanced when it comes to drive modes. It all it does is sharpen the throttle response. Uh, the steering gets heavier in sport mode, and it changes the gauge cluster. The previous generation Civic Si did have adaptive dampers, but for this new one, this is the 11th generation, they ditched the adaptive dampers because they customers didn't really care about it and a lot of customers didn't like it, so they just decided to ditch it, which I think was a pretty dumb idea. Um, but yeah, it is, uh, like I said, six-speed Honda makes some of the best manual transmissions in the industry, in my opinion. Clutch, um, a lot of them are a little bit light for me, but the shifter is phenomenal. It's you never, you know, you never have to guess what gear you're going into. It's it's just it's just it's got short throws and it just they're really slick. It just slides right into gear and they make really good transmissions. The engine is a 1.5 liter turbo. It's the same engine that was in the old one. It's actually down a little bit. It's down five horsepower, so it's 200 horsepower in this new one, and uh, 192 pound feet of torque. Uh, that torque does come in at 300 RPM uh, sooner than the last one. So this one comes in at 1,800 RPM, and it stays flat all the way up to 5,000 RPM. 
does have a, a limited slip front differential to put that to help put that power down. So I'll actually again for those that are watching, I will share my screen. Thank you, Zoom. This thing can go away so I can get the tab up here. So this, oh, for Christ's sake, ads. This is the new uh, Civic SI. It's um, it's not particularly exciting looking. It's subtle. I like subtle, um, but yeah, the inside is interesting. It's got these interesting seats, um, these red and black cloth seats. Um, but yeah, and, and the thing is with the SI, it's cheap. The old SI was $26,000 and the only option you could choose, do you want, what, what paint color do you want? And do you want summer tires or all season tires? Those are the only options you could get on the old Civic SI. And that stays true to this one. So your only options, what color paint do you want? And do you want summer tires or all season tires? Um, and since this is based on the new Civic, it does have a lot of tech in it. Uh, it has a nine inch touchscreen, again, with the good old volume knob right here. It's a hell of a lot better than anything Honda has done in the past. It also has a 12-speaker Bose audio system. Like I said in my last podcast, uh, or last solo podcast, this is the first time Honda has outsourced for a premium audio system. They always did it in-house, and they, were, they weren't they were that great. Um, but now they have this 12-speaker Bose sound system that comes uh, in the SI and also on the higher-end Civics. Um, it has all the safety features, so, you know, forward collision warning, um, lane keep assist, automatic emergency braking, adaptive cruise control, all of that comes standard on the SI. And also they did a really good job kind of with the engineering of this car. Um, so like I said, um, it, is eight, it has 8% more torsional rigidity than the standard Civic sedan. Um, like I said, it does have fixed dampers instead of adaptive dampers, um, but the spring rates are up 8% in the front and a massive 54% in the rear does have larger brakes than the normal Civic as well. It has uh, the front rotors are 1.2 inches larger and the rear rotors are uh, nine tenths of an inch uh, larger. But yeah, it is a very, um, it's a it's a solid little car. I mean, I can't really think, assuming, you know, this is probably gonna be more expensive than the outgoing one but not much. My guess is going to be around $27,000. And for 27 grand, all you get to, like I said, you choose your paint and you get to choose your tires. And I think that's a hell of a car for that, for under 30 grand. You get all of that, all of those features and a really good amount of performance. And plus you get Honda reliability. It's a car that you can keep for, for a very, very long time and not have any issues with. And it's still a fun car to drive. So yeah, I think uh, this car is kind of a no-brainer when it comes to someone that wants a performance car, but a new performance car on a budget, and you get a hell of a lot of equipment with it. So uh, that's going to wrap this up. So thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of the Autos and Airways podcast. Don't forget to um, you know follow us on Instagram at Autos and Airways. Also, my other two Instagram accounts at Cincy Rovers. And also you can follow my personal account at Alex J. Shum if you'd like to. Uh, we have more uh, guest episodes coming. 
I am recording one hopefully this weekend with a very good friend of mine. Um, I also have some more people down the road with, that are going to share some really cool stories. Um, but yeah, the last two episodes uh, or the last two guest episodes went great. My first one with my buddy Andrew did very well. And um, my friend Tish, who uh, was very uh, kind enough to join us all the way from England, that one has um, that actually went up only uh, yesterday, but uh, it's actually been doing quite well. So yeah, I'm glad that uh, this podcast has kind of taken off a lot better than I was ever expecting. And hopefully it only keeps growing from here. So like I said, thank you all so much for tuning in and I will catch you all in the next episode. Cheers.